Hi there, welcome to an episode of an Inside View podcast in association with On The Ball Team Building. I'm your host, Jamie Finn. If this is your first time listening, please do go back to episode one and have a listen. If you haven't done so already, please do click subscribe. There is a business or sports person in each of us and we hope that our guest stories will help our listeners to chase their dreams. Hi everyone, welcome to a new series of an Inside View podcast with On The Ball Team Building. This is the fourth series of an Inside View podcast and I'm delighted to announce that online sport sponsorship platform Sport Endorse have come on board as sponsors for this new series. The Irish owned online marketplace has over 4,000 athletes from all around the world. For more information be sure to check out the link in our show notes. And also a special mention to the Shire Baron Cafe in Killarney who are also on board as supporters of the podcast for this series. For the first episode of the series, I'm delighted to be joined by 20-year-old Irish racing driver Luke Allen. He is one of the most successful and high-achieving racing drivers to ever come out of Ireland. The Cork native's career is going from strength to strength. His most recent success came in the end of 2022 when he won the European Ultimate Cup Endurance Series in France. Luca is a sport endorsed athlete and for inquiries about Luca be sure to check out the sports endorsed website or the link in the show notes. We have a huge amount to cover so let's bring him on. Hi Luca, thanks for taking time out coming on Inside View podcast, I really appreciate it because I know you're uh, you're quite busy. Um, how are you keeping? Uh, yeah, no, no, I'm great. Uh, coming off a good season in Europe uh, after winning the Ultimate Cup Series is a, a nice way to go into the winter I'd say. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, so looking good. And thank you very much to you, Jamie, as well, to, for having me on. And um, hopefully, um, get the name out there a bit more in the Middle East and Dubai, Abu Dhabi. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Look, I um, I like to just to, to delve into things with you. And before we get to that, um, just a quick question as well. Like, is the motorsport season like does it run through the summer or is it big during winter? Or what's the wait? What's the calendar like? The main season is always, uh, in Europe anyway, it's always through from about March till October. Um, so, but, but then in the Middle East, you have the Asian, well, it's called the Asian Monsters. It's just based in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Um, and that is basically four races compacted into two weeks. Uh, so in a usual European series, you get six races over, over the year. Um, so the Asian Monsters is a really good opportunity just to get loads of track time uh before the season starts and it's kind of where all the best teams in prototypes come together and uh and meet for a pre-season battle as such brilliant that's kicking off in uh, in february isn't it yeah middle of february so the first race is in dubai autodrome uh the weekend of the 12th and then the second race is in the abdabias marina uh, the weekend of the 19th is that the 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 circuit to use for the formula one in in uh in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Brilliant, brilliant. I, I'm, I, I'm really excited to delve into this now. Now you, you know, we all watched uh, Drive to Survive, um, the Netflix documentary about you know the Formula One, but uh, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's exciting to have someone you know who's going along that path and delve into what goes on behind the scenes, um, especially in the the you know steps to get to Formula One um uh level and status. Look, let's uh, let's go back to to move forward. I'd like again to delve into what you know 
what COVID was like for you. Um, obviously it wasn't great for anyone, but how did you deal with it, like from a personal perspective? Because obviously you know you couldn't you are you were limited with the amount of races you could do. Um yeah, I mean it was tricky. I think um the one kind of big factor in it, I suppose, is uh, being a racing driver. Uh, it's a lot more than just driving the car. Um, as some people know, but a lot of people uh, won't know. Um, so that's so you can kind of understand that my COVID has such a big impact because seventy five percent of being a racing driver is being on your emails and calling people and and trying to kind of do these sponsorship deals and and get them done. So, uh, COVID had a massive impact really on me for racing. Um, we got through it, so it was all right. I was actually in Tokyo, um, for COVID, just uh just kind of knocking on doors or whatever, because I did, I couldn't get the full sponsorship package together for the season. Um, and then with the restrictions and everything, it made it very difficult. Uh, so I was kind of just in Tokyo for the year, knocking on doors. And uh, I got a few races under my belt that year, which which thankfully went very well. Um, but yeah, COVID, well, as it did to everyone, it, um, thank God it's over. It's just <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. And it's... Uh... You know, you've been so young and, and with that goal in mind and you were, you know, you're progressing nicely and then to be hit with COVID, how do you deal with that? You know, looking back now, maybe you, you're able to kind of um digest the whole experience, but how how have you dealt with that period from a, you know, a psychological perspective in regards to like, it was a setback, don't get me wrong, but you know, f- f- from your age, how did you, how did you deal with that? Um, I mean, it was... It was just kind of get on with it kind of thing, I suppose. Um, just as long as I kept training and and kept emailing and kept just doing my best, then um, then it it was kind of fine psychologically. I think like it was if there was times where I felt I wasn't really trying hard enough and and geez, am I letting this slip a little bit? Then I mean that's when uh, you, I wouldn't say you doubt yourself, but you you kind of need to tell yourself get on just like get get the laptop I start talking to people and uh, um, although nothing came to exact fruition in Japan uh, there's so much contact made and uh, as I said we got a few races under our belt which is great um, and uh, and yeah now we're here so brilliant brilliant and you you touched on something there the training like look from a person who doesn't really obviously I watch a bit of Formula 1 but I don't understand what goes on behind the scenes well, I do to the level of obviously the, the the drive to survive, but you know, from your perspective, like what goes on in regards to you know training, like what type of training is it? It's it's not just sitting in a car and drive around the track. There's a lot more to it, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, it's not um, it's not really like football where I can go into the back garden and kind of kick a wall. Well, sorry, no offense, that is, you know what I mean. That's not yeah. football training, but you you can't just um just go onto a track and drive. So you, you most people have a simulator, which is kind oh, of like a, a video game almost that you sit into, but they've got them very realistic now. And uh, that's good. And then apart from that, it's training. So obviously with with my racing, it's endurance racing. So it's I could be driving for two hours um, with maybe a five or 10 minute break in the middle. And uh, you need to be just really consistent throughout the whole thing. Um, so a lot of that is... Oh, mental fitness, I'd almost call it, because you might like it or you might you lose all your fluids, you might get a bit of fatigue after an hour, but you need to still hit all your markers. And because you know how it is racing, if you miss your breaking points by 10 to 15 meters, which is just a, a millisecond, you know, in time, 
um, than you could be in the wall. Uh, and that's obviously an endurance racing, you have a full team behind you and your teammates. So you need to be fit enough, basically, to make sure that doesn't happen. And how do you kind of replicate that from, you know, obviously in addition to the simulators, but how do you replicate that and how do you train your, your mental fitness? Uh, so for me, I I actually do a bit of a lot of boxing training, um, because I like I like the gym, but I find it very hard for myself to be consistent in the gym, you know. Because if but if I have something then like a training or something, you just kind of get up and go because it's whatever. But yeah, with boxing, it's like say you're kind of sparring. Now I wouldn't be doing fights or whatever. Just say you're sparring or whatever, and and you suddenly kind of get into fatigue. And you have to just get over that and keep your hands up, keep your composure, whatever. And I kind of relate that to racing. Then, as in, in one sport you're you're going to be in the wall, and in the other sport you're going to get hit in the nose. So, um, that's that's, that's how I and uh, that, and I like doing it. So, brilliant, brilliant. That's uh, that's very interesting. That you kind of you 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 know you bring your body to that stage, and and that feeling then is when you're you know when you're under when your body's under severe pressure and fatigue kicks in. You replicate that as as it would be in on the racetrack. Do you know what other people do? Would a lot of people just do? Would they do boxing or would they do different different things? Um, I wouldn't say a lot of them would do boxing. Like a lot of them, like obviously a lot of drivers have kind of uh, personal trainers throughout the year, and um, like a, a lot of it is based on your core, uh, to hold the G forces around the corner, um. And then like your shoulders and kind of your whole arm. But to be honest with you, like, like you'd see some kids get into the car, like they're they have arms that like, they've just done enough laps in a racing car that they can that they can hold it. So you can only kind of I always think you can only you can go to the gym as much as you want. But if you're not actually you need to just be doing laps in the car, which is obviously easier said than done. Um but that's the first race of the season is always the hardest, if you know what I mean, because even though you're after three months of intense training, for some reason, it's just uh, it's not really the same. Brilliant. Brilliant. Before, before we go any further, let's bring it back to the start. I'd like to, you know, to create a picture of how, how a person's childhood has brought them onto that career path they're in, uh, they're in at the moment. I'm, I'm chatting to them. Um, so where did you grow up and what was your, your childhood like? Uh, so I grew up in a kind of on a food farm as such, uh, in East Cork, in um, Piscal Ballymaloo, and uh, I mean, yeah, that was um, I I like the countryside myself, so I, I think I was quite lucky to grow up around fields and stuff, and uh, um, but yeah, in terms of my childhood leading to racing, um, there was there's kind of nothing there. I mean, I used to asked my dad if I could come to the pub with him since about five years old just to watch the Formula One on a Sunday. Um so I've always just even though I didn't probably didn't even know what I was watching back then, but I used to just shout for the red cars and love for her. So oh, yeah, fair. <laughs> and then it was just every birthday I just asked for something to drive, whether it was like a, a scrambler or um whatever a dune buggy or whatever. And obviously never really uh never really got any of them until my ninth birthday uh my dad's friend i think it was said oh listen if he's really into it i know a guy that does karting competitively in ireland um so i tried that out one day after school at my local track uh and then we ended up buying just a little second hand go-kart kind of thing 
uh, a few years old at that point, I think. But uh, yeah, I just loved it from ever since. And actually, it's weird. I still kind of have the memory of my first time in go-kart. Um, and like, to me, nine years old, I was, it was just so fast. And, uh, and to be honest with you, since, since that point, it's just never, it's never been anything but motorsport for me. And um, I feel kind of grateful to, to have that kind of passion in my life. It's amazing, especially it's like, uh, you know, it's a sport that wouldn't be that big in Ireland. Um, and it's a sport, obviously, that it just kind of came out of nowhere. I wouldn't say it came out of nowhere, but none of your family were, you know, into or would have competed in, in, in motorsport. And which is uh, it's interesting that, you know, you're, you're paving and you're choosing out your own career path there. Um, and, it's, uh, you know, no one has done it before you in regards to family members um, so it's quite interesting and it's quite interesting too the fact that I know the, the where you grew up it's, it's uh, quite a famous farm and your your grandfather's mother and that's all your 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 grandmother wasn't it and your mom is the is Grand, yeah mom? granddad's mom Merkel yeah uh, it's, my it's, great grandma so oh your great grandma yeah and uh your mother then is the she's chef Rachel yeah yeah so um she's kind of the one uh on TV or whatever, but uh, I mean, no, no, she's great, and all, all my family, yeah, it's all just food, food, food. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a random old diversion then for me to go all of a sudden. Um, but I mean, they all, they're all very supportive, and um, and another thing I'm grateful for just to have such a kind of support family around me, uh, even though it's not um cooking or whatever, they still uh, they still support me. So okay. safe to say you you uh. You mustn't be too bad in the in the kitchen, so are you are. Uh, well, skip, I, skip a generation. <laughs> I I have a I have confidence in myself in the kitchen now. I'm not sure. My girlfriend might tell you differently if I'm <laughs> dinner or whatever. But uh but yeah, I to be honest, I do like cooking to be fair. Simple things now, like I'm I'm a bit of a expert, I must say, kind of see what's in the fridge and pop it into really? a sandwich. But uh, <laughs> but no, I I like food and I like cooking. It'd probably be hard for me after kind of growing up around it, but um yeah do you have uh any standout moment from your childhood that look i know you're still young and do, do i suppose the older you wait you kind of start looking back on these things but do you have any like standout moment from your childhood that shaped you into the person you you you've become today or the person or career path you're going down you did touch on that you know going to the going to the, the pub with your your father to watch the formula one you know that probably change the trajectory of where you might have went um but do you have any other standout moment that for you know from your childhood uh i think i think in karting uh when you kind of look back at the karting days it was the losses were always a lot more than the wins if you know what i mean like if i won whatever it's kind of you're you're happy but you're not you know i was never kind of jumping or aiming or whatever and then but uh being such a young age and having to obviously take, I wouldn't say take a lot of losses, but you know what I mean? You, you go through the phases of you make a mistake and whatever. And, and I remember always just being so upset when, if I did bad in the current race or if I spun out or whatever, and I, I still get upset, but not to, I can kind of control myself a bit more, but, but definitely all those, all those moments of, um, I don't know if failure is the right, the right word because, Karting overall was quite successful, but just those little individual, the weekends when uh, you'd, you'd have a four-hour drive or even worse in Formula 4 if I 
I had a bad weekend and then it was a 24-hour kind of travel back from Malaysia and you're kind of just like, because it's, it's a bit different in racing as well because you have so much people depending on you, I'd say. Um, not just your your team, like your mechanics, your engineering, your team owner who kind of almost invest in you and, and they want you to do well, but you also have your sponsors and your family who support you. And um, uh, it's The losses are a lot worse than anything I've kind of experienced in any other sport. That's quite interesting. And I follow on from that point. Um, is this you know? So you you went from karting onto um cars. In, forgive me, not getting the terminology wrong, but you went from no, karting no. To, to to racing cars. What was that transition like? Was it was it big or was it just was it straightforward enough? Um, it was good. I mean, um, looking back on it now, I probably would have tried to get a bit more testing under my belt and kind of like, I think uh, I was 15 and I'd kind of only really done Irish level karting. I did a few races in England um, and, but I just wasn't, I didn't really have the same kind of uh, junior caliber of, of the guys that we raced against who kind of just drive every weekend in Europe or whatever. Um, and so I went straight into British F4, um, which back then was, the most kind of competitive F4 championship in the world. I mean, we had all the all the F1 juniors, and uh, I think actually two of the drivers on that grid now are in Formula One next year: Logan Sargent and Oscar Piastri, oh. um, and a few more of them in F2. So it, it was it was definitely a very, very kind of a platform to learn. Um, but if I was to go back at it now, I'd I I would like to do a bit more testing and get myself a bit more prepared because with cars it's kind of it's uh it's kind of hard to explain but it's almost like you're dealt a, a, a hand of cards at the at the start of the season not a, it's not a, as much of a gamble as poker or whatever but you have your you have your engineer uh, your mechanics your team um and your car and then yourself obviously and and your sponsorship money and these are all kind of big big factors into how your season's going to go. And you know, all these kind of things to come together. You can't really afford to have too many bad seasons in this sport, obviously. Um, so you, you kind of just learn as you go. You want to make sure uh, you're in the right car and you're with the right team and you're with a team that has experience and engineer and you have the right mechanics that have the mechanic. The main thing I find in mechanics is you need to have a good relationship with them because you kind of need, you need to, if you're, you fight for them, they fight for you in that kind of way. Um, so, so yeah, like, and then, so making the transition, it was, uh, like, it was a massive, massive step coming from Irish karting uh, to, as I said, the most competitive Formula 4 championship in the world, British F4. Um, and, uh, but yeah, as I said, I think it, it just, I, I wouldn't change anything because um, it's shaped me kind of into the driver I am today. And uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a great platform to learn. Definitely. Look, you 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 make these decisions at, at you know at a certain points in your life, and you just kind of you have to go with them. Um, you never know which which way it's gonna gonna take you. And like it, one thing as well, I like to to understand is that you know, like what what's the we say the business structure of these? I know obviously in Formula One you have you have um Mercedes and you have Red Bull etc. But for, for example, in Formula Four, um, Formula Three, is it, do you still have like companies? main investors and then like do you pick your mechanics or, or what's the 
What's the makeup? Uh, no, 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 you wouldn't. Like, you, you'd be talking to a lot of teams kind of pre-season and they'd come in with different offers and and whatnot and then they kind of lay an offer on the table and then that's the that's the money you have to bring that season from all the way from Formula 4 to Formula 2. Um, if you, if we're talking Formula cars, that's how it happens. Um, and it, from Formula 4 right up to Formula 2, it gets just more expensive as you go up. Um but then, so in prototypes and GT cars, it's different because you have big manufacturers that are uh, putting money into young drivers and supporting young drivers. And um, so it's great. But I mean, um, I, I kind of, I always hope that with Drive to Survive now, uh, it'll bring enough exposure to the Formula 2 and the Formula 3 that, that the teams in the championship can get the sponsors to then eventually just have the best 30 F3 drivers there rather than the 30 10 of the best and 20 that can pay for the seats if you know what I mean um, so I kind, of, I kind of hope that that's the way it's going at the moment um, I, I mean it'd be great to see uh, obviously we've, we've uh, Alex Dunn in Formula 4 who's an Irish driver coming through and you've more you've uh, Alex O'Grady who should be quite good and then there's myself Max Harris Alex Denning who are a bit older and kind of doing their thing but um, but yeah Irish motorsport has just gotten so much more in the past five years, and you can ask anyone about this, it's just there's a lot more drivers now on the map. Obviously, you have Charlie Eastwood and, and Matt Griffin, who are kind of um, at the top level. Um, but, jeez, I forgot the question now. No, it's, fu- it's, it, it, it's funny. It's, 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 another point there, like, we're like, don't take this the wrong way, but where do you, like, are you from, like, are you, do you go from Formula 4, 3, 2, 1, or... Like, what's the career path normally, and what stage are you at? So, yeah, so that's on paper. I suppose you look at it as from the four, three, two, one. So basically, you come out of karting, um, and you do a bit of F four testing. And this is just talking in general. Now. This is my experience, or anyone else's experience, in in, in exactly. But uh, and then so whatever you do, your Formula Four season. Uh, not everyone there, but if if that's the route you're going, and then it does. There's, there, there's F1 jun, Junior Academies as well. Uh, some give a little bit of money, some don't. Uh, I, don't I don't know the internet. Um, and you're basically working off sponsorship until you get to Formula 1. If, if you're doing that route, so in Formula 4, it might be one figure. Formula 3 might be double that. And in Formula 2, it might be double that again. So you need to uh, you need to be really good at the sponsorship side as well kind of keeping a clean slate and uh, and offering companies kind of unique opportunities because, I mean, they probably get whatever sponsorship emails all the time. It's just, you want to stick around the car. You pay this much. So you need to be kind of quite business savvy, I'd say, to to secure the sponsors and to keep good relationships with your sponsors. And um, yes, yeah, so it's so much more on the inside. Uh, it's so much more like a business, I'd say. Like from the outside, just, it looks quite... I wouldn't say quite simple, but uh, I can imagine thinking, oh, if you win Formula 4, you'll go to Formula 3. If you do well in Formula 3, you'll go to Formula 2. But um, unfortunately, it's not It's not really like that. Um, although I wish it was, and as I was saying, I hope it does get to that point. Um, but yeah, motorsport is just a, a big old kind of mad game. You know, it's, uh, there's, there's different opportunities in different places. And, and I, mean, I, know, I know drivers that are as fast as anyone. Um, like really, really as fast as anyone, and they might, and they might not be driving anymore because they just don't, don't have answer, they don't have money, or uh, they don't have that 
that ledge that, that gets the deals over the line. Jesus, it's very um it's very money focused on it really and it's money kind of like would money bring you through your career up to Formula Two and One or would you have to be a good driver as well, I assume, because these these companies wouldn't wouldn't go for you, would they? Um yeah, like I think I think there'd be a mixture. Like like I don't I wouldn't want to to assume too much, I say, because I was never in a Formula Two or you know, that kind of thing. Well not at that. But um, you need—I would say—you need a bit of both. The teams, the teams want the best drivers they can in the cars, obviously. Um, but the teams need to pay their bills as well. The teams need to pay the engineers, the mechanics, the entry fees, the tires, the transport. Uh, it's a big operation. So, um, I suppose the kind of the perfect thing for a team would be a guy with a lot of money and, and that can drive the car fast. Um. Uh, so yeah, well, yeah. As I, as I said, I don't want to assume anyone else's situations. There, there definitely is drivers there that are just there on pure talent. Um, and, you uh, need a bit of both, like you were saying, you, because otherwise, if like if you're not winning all the time, or if you're not performing, the company isn't you know isn't even breaking even. They're not going to be willing to to keep you on. Um, and one thing I wanted to task as well is like where you know where do you fit in in your career progression like what level are you at now are you level four are you or what so um so it doesn't so the formula four to one is that it's just kind of one discipline of motorsport i'd say that's like the formula cars and so i went into formula four and i won formula four in asia and then it was then covid when i moved to japan to formula three in japan um and COVID kind of messed everything up and it was getting to a stage where I was thinking, listen, I don't really have that two million quid to do, to do Formula 2, unfortunately. Um, so I was like, how am I going to make a career out of this? How am I going to, what am I going to do? Because I need to, you know, start making a bit of money off this thing. Um, so I made the switch to prototypes um, where a lot of the time the structure of a team would be there's three drivers um, and they would always kind of be a fast driver. A driver that's just kind of paying for himself and then uh, a driver that might be a little bit slower but uh, he'll kind of pay the extra bit of money to have the fast driver on the team and um, uh, so well luckily I, I was the fast driver this year thank god but um but yeah that's so there's more opportunities let's say in, in gts and, and le mans prototypes um actually with with the races like uh, Le Mans for Hour and Spa Twenty Four Hour, you know, to to win one of those races for for a manufacturer uh, like BMW or like Ferrari or Cadillac or like you know for any manufacturer that would be like just my dream and uh, and just for like you had you had Charlie Eastwood there winning the Le Mans Twenty Four Hour and uh, I think it was the GT Three Pro Am um, and since then I, I couldn't even tell you who the last person before him I know. David Kennedy, uh, the ex-Irish Formula One driver, who I wouldn't say mentors. Yeah, well, you know, he does kind of mentor me a bit, and uh, he he wanted with Nissan, and uh, and just to have to have someone like David Kennedy then, who's who's been there and done it all, to be able to pick up the phone to him and ask him for some advice. Uh, very grateful for that as well. Um, but yeah, in terms of the the structures, there's all these kind of different disciplines, and so but the, you just there's the top of GTs at the top of the Mans prototypes and there's the top of Formula cars, which is F1. Um, Did you ever see yourself crossing back into Formula um, Formula cars? 
I mean, if the opportunity opened up, um, I'd do it. Uh, you just don't know. Like, motorsport is kind of changing all the time. Like, now you have loads of the manufacturers coming to the prototypes. So, like, by 2024, we're going to have about 11 or 12 manufacturers, uh, which is the same amount as Formula One. Um, so, you'll have those, the, the, their hypercars, the kind of top level of, that's what they're called, the top level of the prototypes. So, I mean, to have that amount of manufacturers all competing for the Le Mans 24 hour and the World Endurance Championship. I mean that's kind of what's exciting me at the moment, and uh, um, and yeah, that that's where I see myself, and that's where I'm aiming to go. Brilliant, brilliant. So you, uh, yeah, I was totally curious. I was wondering, like, so is there a big transition or a transfer between the the prototype racing that that you're on now and the Formula cars? Are you still on the same tracks, or or is it completely different? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same tracks. Uh, it's basically just different cars. So the Formula cars tend to have the most downforce. Um, like my car, the LMP3. I suppose actually, if you were to put it in a category to the kind of to the public one, it would be like a Formula Three category. I don't don't quote me on that, but that's the yeah. kind of the level. Um, just in a different discipline. Um, but yeah, so like GT cars would have the least downforce when i say downforce it's like the the corner speed you can carry basically the wings on the car that that push the car down around the corner which makes it faster on the corner basically gts would at least prototypes would be in the middle and then formula cars would, would have the most downforce so um they're kind of the different styles of cars if you know what i mean apart from that it's same tracks and uh same kind of fundamental of drive fast and did they go like would Formula be two hours and then the the GT cars like you're you're competing in like is that like is that is one thing when I was when I was looking into this um the twenty four Lesman again my pronunciation pronunciation is very bad so do do forgive me but that that race uh series you're doing in in Dubai and Abu Dhabi like that's twenty four hours is it or or what's the what's no the so, so the so the Le Mans twenty four hour is like um. Uh... It's like, I think it's the biggest race in the world, I want to say. I think it's up there with the Indy 500. It's the biggest race in the world. Um, I mean, I think you get close to 300,000 spectators over the weekend. So the Le Mans 24 hours is like the pinnacle, I would say, in, uh, in endurance racing. Um, so in Le Mans 24 hours, you have the GTs. So you have GT3, GTE, um, and then you have LMP2 and Hypercar uh, racing there. In the Le Mans 24 hour, and then you have the different 24 hour races, and then you have uh, the European Le Mans series and the Asian Le Mans series, which is uh, that's just the name of the championship. It's uh, competing across Europe, and then there you have um, LMP3, LMP2, GT3, GTE. Um, so they all uh, compete together. But the endurance racing is a bit different to the formal racing, form race would be more sprint races. Like until you're at Formula One, there would be kind of forty minute races, half an hour. It kind of obviously gets longer with the as you go up, but with the endurance race, then it would be like so. My races would be four hours, and there would be three drivers. So it depends how it how it kind of works out. Usually, the fast driver um will drive two. A lot of the time, I was driving for two hours or an hour fifty this year, uh, and the other two drivers would do fifty minutes to an hour stints. Um, so it's it's a big team effort basically and uh and obviously 
going back to the point of being needing a good team, the car needs to kind of stay intact for the four hours that they're riding around the track. So Yeah, that must be crazy. Like and like how do you like there must be a huge amount of organization goes on, you know, to ensure that the car, like you said, stays intact for, for four hours. And is there a spare car as well in case that car, you know, crashes or, or whatever the case may be? Yeah. We yeah, so well sometimes we'd have a spare car on the weekends, but I'm almost I'm ninety nine percent sure you can't you well no sorry you definitely can't just swap your car in the drills because you you kind of do the scrutineering for the car and everything but the spare car would only be there for the parts if you have a spare car there um it would be just so that you can take a front wing a fully intact front wing off the car and mm-hmm. pop it on to the car you're racing if it does break or if you crash or whatever but um but no there's no spare car if you like to just switch into if if you crash that's the end of your race really. And can you bring us through the the lead up for you, you know, to a race, you know, twenty four hours out? How do you prepare yourself mentally and, and physically? Um. So on the race weekend, I um, I like always like to stay very calm. Like I never get, you know, too excited. I wouldn't be jumping off the walls like on the Wednesday before the race weekend. Um, and I just just like stay very calm. I always meditate in the morning every morning of the race weekend, just kind of, because you can find yourself in the car where you kind of get into a rut and all of a sudden, I wouldn't say you get hot-headed, but you start losing your focus. And like, you know, if you're playing football or rugby or whatever it is, and you're, uh, once you get a bit hot-headed, you can really lose your concentration. You start making sloppy mistakes and stuff. So for me, I like to stay very calm. Uh, the meditation just helps me kind of uh, not overthink things and stay calm coming and getting into the car and throughout the stint. And uh, you don't want to be too calm, obviously, because there's some corners where you need to, keep the foot down and kind of whatever and, and obviously not in the calm way um but yeah you need to, you need to keep a really level head uh throughout the weekend uh, how do you familiar, familiarize yourself with the tracks you know because a lot of these tracks well you you might have competed in a lot of them now but you know if you're going to the track for the first time or if you're not back in the track for another 12 months how do you familiarize yourself with it just the simulator simulator is the best way to do that um and uh yeah do you have one with you like you can bring with you or, or what's the no like... no 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 big old kind of machine things like you i just have mine at home in the uk and um, well where i'm living in the uk home Ireland, i'd say but um but yeah so just try to do as, as many hours as that as i can is it glasses you put on like the the, the, the headset or, or you are. some some people do use that i think i just have a screen it's kind of like a curved screen that kind of goes around a little bit um i think some people use the vr i'd love to try that out though see what it's like uh but no no i just have the constraint and the steering wheel and it's it's basically like a car but without it actually being a car (laughs) do you you use um like have you foot pedals and all that in a steering wheel or is it all just effectively visualization you're kind of visualizing yourself watching the, the track appear in front of you yeah, like it's it's literally just you sit into a racing seat, and you have a screen there. Your steering will be there. Your screen will be just behind that, and then you have your pedals. So it's it's literally just like driving a car, but it's on a computer. Um, so it's not quite as fun, but uh, but no, it's it's great. Like it's good for just kind of yeah, learning the tracks and just being consistent as well. You know, muscle memory with with everything and uh, yeah. It makes you think too, like how the you know how these race drivers did it years ago before. 
Oh, this, yeah. uh, well, I, actually, I only got a sim there a year or two ago, I think. Uh, no, at the start of this year, yeah. So, um, I mean, a lot of drivers don't. like um, They just don't bother with it, do you know what I mean? Because uh, it, it's very new, like, you know, and, well, relatively new over the last few years, I'd say. And uh, the teams would always have one, like, in their factory. But I know definitely over COVID, it just, like, spiraled and everyone got one, do you know what I mean? So... Uh, seems to be I think it, I'd like to say it's a big part and like a young driver like me that's always improving and, and trying to get better I'd say it's a big part in, in my kind of preparation Brilliant and would that have all the, all the tracks that you you race in? Yeah most of them yeah I would do and uh, the models itself aren't too good and you want to be careful with it like if I was like say driving an MP3 on the game and obviously, it's never going to be completely realistic, do you know what I mean? So then, like, you don't want to get in too much of a rush as well. So I actually like to go for a different car and just learn the track kind of thing and just see the kind of styles of the corners and, and what works and what doesn't. Because, um, like, I remember one time I was, like, driving the LMP3 and the model of the LMP3 car isn't great, like, on the game or whatever. Gets the track. I'm like, oh, shit, I thought that was, I thought that was flat, that corner. But it's oh, yeah. not it's real life. So, it's Yeah. Yeah, that can be quite deceiving. So can it, like in that regard, that you know, you I suppose you can't, you can't uh, depend on it too much because if you do, you know, you might, you might be be you know, uh, you might face an issue like that, and it could really set you back. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, definitely. How, like, how do you click into focus, uh, Luca? Like, do you know that it, a lot of us nowadays find it hard to focus, and our attention span is 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 getting probably worse and worse. Um, but how do you stay focused and click into focus just before you hop into the car and even during the four hours? That that must be extremely draining. Yeah, I, yeah, like at the week at the end of the weekend you always feel it. And and it's funny, like you're never when I'm in the car myself, I never really feel tired. Like I remember when it was when I was racing the Formula Four in Malaysia and it would be similar now in, in the endurance races, but like especially in the heat or whatever, and, and you're driving, and all of a sudden you cross the finish line, and your focus all of a sudden isn't on driving, and it's not tunnel vision focus anymore. You just find yourself absolutely wrecked, and it's just mental the way like when you're driving, and you're so focused, you can you don't even have brain space to think about being tired or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden something clicks, and when you've done the race, you're like, holy whatever do you know what I mean and you get out of the car and you're like oh like lots of fluids and all that kind of stuff so um I just know like driving's a funny one obviously because you can't um you can't have your mind on anything else if you know what I mean like it's because you're going at such high speeds and I mean you're never just going straight for that long do you know what I mean and uh so yeah it's like before it's like as well it's the same thing again I just don't like to overthink it like I don't if I find myself, like, you see a lot of guys that are, like, doing all this, like, to get uh, in the zone or whatever. And I think I kind of used to be like that when I was 16. And uh, and uh, uh, you kind of just have to remember, like, I remember my friend my friend said to me once, and he was like, oh, yeah, sure, I don't need to get in the zone. Like, I've been doing this for 11 years. Like, what what am I to prepare for? Like, do you know what I mean? Um, and I was like, well, although it, it wouldn't exactly be my kind of ethos going into race, but I was like, you had a point or whatever it's like you, you need to stop overthinking it you need to remember that you're driving this car for a reason it's because you're good hopefully and uh and you just need to get in there and do your job do you know what i mean 
Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, no, I totally understand. Sometimes you can kind of, you know, overthink these things and you overthink yourself into a situation, you know, that 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 sometimes you're as well off just to see what happens and go with the flow. What goes through your mind during a race? You're kind of touching it there. You, you be very much in the zone. But like, do you ever subconsciously, do, does your mind be wandering at, at different things? Oh, no, 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 I can't. Like, uh, I like not, not even as in I can't as if, I don't let it, but even if I try to think about something else, I don't. I don't think it would work. Like thing, I find myself sometimes overthinking in the car. Is if there's someone behind me and they're catching me, you know that kind of way, and or like something like that. If there's someone behind you, you're like shit. Okay, I can't. Well, sorry, I don't know. Whatever. So I can't make a mistake here, or need to stay really consistent. But um, I mean, but in terms of like, what am I gonna eat for lunch? Like those kind of thoughts, non-driving related, is just. Well, you just you just couldn't do it really i don't think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely and in regards to you know when you finish the race you're drained you don't know you know you're mentally and physically fatigued but at the same time perhaps the the adrenaline is still is still running would, would that be the case and if so how would you how do you deal with like winding down and and bringing yourself back down to you know a normal normal mindset um i don't know like like the first thing you always do after a race is just go straight to your mechanics and your team and say hopefully it's a thank you whatever you know if you've done well and uh just thank him and uh yeah and then just kind of winding like i wouldn't really have a ritual for after the race i just uh just kind of try to relax and um and yeah just hopefully kind of reflect on the race that you had and hopefully you're happy a lot of the time you're not happy um so yeah just reflect on it don't get too hung up about it and just know that next time try to do better and uh or try to do the same thing however the outcome is um but usually you're telling yourself you could have done better do you know what i mean um and yeah that, that's kind of it. just unwinding a little bit. i don't i don't really have a ritual though for it and what's the, we kind of touched on earlier, but I'd like to kind of just bring it back to the surface again. What is the the layout or plan going forward for 2023? I know you have that big race series in, in, in Dubai and in Abu Dhabi, which I will hope to get down to and support you. I think it's on in uh, Motor City in the in the Dubai um, Auto. Autodome. Yeah, that's it there. Yeah. And uh, I'll definitely try to get down to that. But what is the plan after that or have you races before that yeah so so next year uh really kind of working towards just having a good program in place and and doing all the race so that starts with that race in dubai and then the weekend after Abu Dhabi, and hoping really hoping to be out there i mean as i said with sponsorship it's uh it's more factors in it than race but we've got a good offer from my team and we're uh just trying just trying the best that we can because i i think like I think we've a really good chance uh, to win next year and do really well. Do you know what I mean at the top level in Europe? And uh, just but I always go back to just putting the Irish flag up on the map in motorsport, and uh, it would it would just be really good next year to get to get a full kind of program going. So it'll be the the race in in the Middle East, and then it'll be the European series. Uh, and uh, so now it's kind of all the hard work. Where as I was saying earlier, I need to start out my hand cards and. Uh, make sure I have all the kind of all the different little things in place to make that we have a, another winning season and uh, and that we keep moving forward.
Brilliant, brilliant. And who are you signed with at the moment? Like, are you? Or do you go to to different different um different car owners, or, or what's the what's the makeup of of the for the year ahead? Are you with the same company? Yeah. So obviously, this year we had a great year with uh, the French team for Graf Racing. Um, we won the we won the championship with them this year, and they're just kind of a good team. And if if you if you do a weekend and have a great relationship with your engineers and and your team owners, you're almost halfway there to winning. I always think, do you know what I mean? Um, so I'd I'd love to stay with them, uh, for next year. Obviously, off season you're always talking to different teams, and you're because you have you have to be selfish, you know. With with off season, you have to make sure that you've got the best package for yourself. And um, so yeah, as I said, I mean, I hope to be with the same team. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, they might not have an opportunity, or another team might have a better opportunity. But them, um, where uh, I'd say we're kind of well underway and negotiations um so hopefully uh hopefully we'll have some news for you soon brilliant brilliant and in regards to um the team so you'd have like uh, you have a company or an engine manufacturer would would sponsor you know did sponsor the, the team is it or what's the makeup like how does the sponsorship money help you or does it help the overall team like where does the sponsorship money come into into play or is the sponsorship connected to investment by the car manufacturer um, well, I suppose in terms of where the money's going it's, um, it's a massive operation obviously in motorsport and um, the team would have whatever all these different things to pay for it entry, tyres, engineers mechanics, uh, fuel, transport whatever um, so they'll obviously they'll subsidise that if you're a fast driver um, and they'll try to give you the best price they can then Say if a sponsor comes on board, and with sponsors, it's always different. Uh, whatever we we kind of try to tailor our packages as much as we can. Like a lot of sponsors, well, all they'll want is to bring some clients or some uh, some colleagues or kind of uh, an incentive to their to their employees, mm-hmm. like VIP passes to a race or kind of looking after them over a nice weekend and kind of watching the racing. Some companies then will want that and a sticker on the car to. I mean, you saw the figures with the Asian Le Mans series that like it reached something like 20 million homes uh, on TV, so, or 20 million eyeballs on TV. Yeah, that's, so. that's quite, it's um, in Asian territories, including China, it's 9 million. Uh, English language territories, including Europe, 2 million, and dedicated global TV audience, 3.2 million, which is it's crazy um, in a good way. It's remarkable figures, you know, so it's a massive opportunity for, for sponsorships um and like you said whether they would you know stick around the car or including the add-on add-on benefits that they you know they require um it's definitely well worth it like that you know that viewership alone is is uh it's, it's crazy it's, it's a great opportunity yeah 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 no, definitely and i'd uh i'd love to win that series now with some with some irish companies plastered across the side of the car and uh and then we can celebrate in mcgettigan's or or uh Somewhere in in, in Dubai, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some of the some of the Irish uh, establishments in in Dubai, yeah. There's plenty of them. You've uh, you've Vickers and you've uh, a number of them there in 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 Dubai and Abu Dhabi, and yeah, definitely it's um it's uh it's definitely you know it's definitely something I'm going to be touching into and, and keep more of a an interest in you know going forward because I do think that like it's it's a remarkable skill um Luca like because I believe. Uh, you were so enthusiastic before you uh, you actually started driving. Um, 
No, sorry, I'm gonna have to go off on a tangent there. But I, I believe you were so enthusiastic before your um your driving test. You uh you're so confident. You had so con- so much confidence in your ability. You actually ended up failing. Did you at the the driving test? Well, who told you this? <laughs> I think. Uh, oh, I might have <laughs> um, yeah, like yeah, I was probably a bit overconfident. I say going going well, like because I I know how to drive a road car. Do you know what I mean? And that's not just because I can drive. Road. Like I thought it was grand, but anyway, uh, <laughs> it was it was it was a stupid reason why I failed. It was uh there was some pedestrian crossing thing or reversing too fast. Or you got, got the end. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a humbling experience getting home and uh, whatever you told my friends be like, oh, we pass your test fit. No, 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 no. It's obviously the question, how how do you fail your driving test? I don't know that's what you do for a living, but yeah. Um. So do, what, do, you, do you aim for, to, you know, to compete more... Um, more races in in Asia or in you know in the Middle East next year or going forward. I know you have you have a few races in Europe, um. But do you aim to to do more in in the Middle East? Yeah, 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 definitely. Like I loved it uh, when I was out there in November, just kind of meeting different people and stuff. That I mean, it's a great place. It really is, and there's there's kind of a big Irish community. It seems there. So you can get to meet everyone, but um, it seems like they have a kind of great thing going. And um and yeah, well I mean I haven't raced out there yet, so, so let's see how February goes. But um it's gonna yeah, be warm. Uh, it'll be very warm. Yeah, yeah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Two hours stint and that won't be too um won't be comforting. But uh but yeah, uh no, I really do hope to to get out there more often. Hopefully we can do the same series every year and, and create kind of more opportunities for Irish companies out there and Irish brands out there to kind of really? all get in on something. I think it'd be great. Brilliant, brilliant, and just um, you know, in the lead up to races, how do you ensure that you have enough fluid on board, and how do you ensure that like do you have to watch your weight as well before the race? Yeah, I, I would watch my weight a little bit, um, uh, but yeah, but in terms of the fuel, I definitely leave that to the engineer. I think if I was calling that, it uh, no it fuel go- in your body, your you know yourself. Oh, oh sorry, sorry, um. Yeah, just make sure I drink enough water, and I again, I don't, I don't really get too much into that, and uh, and I just kind of make sure I've had enough food and water, and uh, um, yeah, obviously I wouldn't be eating like Mars bars whatever the morning of race, but um, uh, but yeah, just just try to stay healthy early and make sure I'm not uh, I'm not a bit groggy coming into the car. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, and um. What's the journey or what's the goal for the next five years? Um, look, obviously, we never knew COVID was going to happen before, so it's something you know, some spanner might be thrown in into into the works. But what's the goal for the next five years? So I think the next two years, um, will be racing at the top level in Europe in, in LMP three. Uh, now unless unless next year we just win the championship, but. Uh, I'm still I'm still in my early stages of prototype racing. I'd like to do two more solid years in top level in Europe, and then hopefully move on to LMP2. And once you're there, you can start knocking on the doors of manufacturers and saying, "Listen, these are my results. Would you give me a shot or whatever?" And then, so I, for me, I think in four four to five years, I want to be uh, in a in a manufacturer seat and winning races at the very top level of, of prototype racing. 
but such as Long 24 Hour, Spot 24 Hour, Nurburgring Ring 24 Hour. And so, yeah, that would be good. Brilliant, brilliant. And in regards to, like, would that be the pinnacle um, to be a, a driver for a manufacturer? Is that is that kind of the, the, the aim of, of every driver? Could you be, would you be paid full time then? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You would be, um, you would be then. I mean, there's all different deals and stuff like that in most sports, and you need to make sure you get one of the good ones, right? But, um, but yeah, I think for a manufacturer, it's probably not much more prize than winning something like the Le Mans 24 hour because, uh, well, it proves that your car can, can go 24 hour around the track with, um, four hooligans or three hooligans driving it or whatever but uh, <laughs> no no I mean, I mean you'd you preserve the car a little bit you know you wouldn't you wouldn't be flat to the mat the whole time but um but yeah i think for manufacturer obviously it's massive for a driver it's massive i think the only thing things you could really compare to the last 24 hour would be the f1 championship and uh indy 500 let's say brilliant brilliant uh what do you do in your spare time? I don't think you have much spare time, to be honest, because any spare time you have, just going by this this chat, um, is trying to just build your 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 brand and, and try to get sponsorship on board. But in in your other spare time, what do you what do you do? What do you like to do? Um, so I live over in the UK, um, and I work for the kind of infamous farm shop, uh, Dilly Squash for Jeremy Clarkson. Uh, so that's just kind of I tried. I mean, I have to. Uh, make money some way to kind of pay the bills in between things, but it you just means. You work on that farm. Yeah. Oh, it must be a great experience, is it? Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. It's it's good, kind of getting to know, getting to know everyone, and um, it's just uh, it's just really to kind of pay the bills in between racing and stuff. But uh, it just then makes me awfully busy all of a sudden because I'd be full time at that. But then obviously I need to fit about ten hours of the gym into the week. Have another 10 hours of sponsorship on emails and um few hours of phone calls and you know yourself and then so it's hectic it's definitely hectic but um hopefully all the hard work will pay off that will definitely when you put in the work the, the reward will come mightn't be now but it would definitely be down the line um and i saw a good quote before and it's uh i think you meant tom cleverly Clever used to play man united years ago and he was like uh I think he's like have faith and hard work. You know that's uh that's something we don't really have. You know we I suppose in this generation we're growing up and we want to see we want to see instant reward, yeah. but it's 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 the the long game definitely, and especially in a in a sport like you you're doing, it's it's going to take a long time. And what on to, on that point actually, what age would be kind of the the peak for motorsport racing? I suppose anywhere from. Um, in terms of speed, I mean, you'd probably say from twenty-one upwards or so. But in terms of the full package, in terms of like your racecraft, your speed, keeping a level head, your relationship with all you know, as I said earlier, um, I would say kind of anywhere from twenty-five to thirty-five. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. So we have, I know what you mean. Yeah, we kind of yeah mid to late twenties or um early thirties, and. I believe so. I never knew about the the the, the farm, no. But uh, I was actually trying to open up about the modelling. But following before we go any further, um, in regards to the farm, like is your man around the guy that was on the series with uh with Jeremy Clarkson? The, is it Caleb you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Is he is he around there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a very very nice guy. Um, they're all very nice there, to be honest with you. And uh, Lisa Lisa Hogan, who's Irish, um. Oh. 
Christina. So she's uh, she's very nice with me and and my girlfriend, and she understands I'm a racing that I need to take some time off sometimes. And uh, and yeah, no, it's kind of it's a great little family of work that they have there, and um, it's not fake. I mean, Caleb, as you see in the show, he's he's working away every day, and uh, I see him Brian early and and late into so. Um, and yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone's great. I, I'd never have a bad word to say about it. Uh, Brilliant. Brilliant. I, I, do you live close close by it? I assume you do if you're if you're working there. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, about ten minutes away. Kind of think five to ten minutes away. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And the the modelling. I believe you did a bit of uh, a bit of work for the um former All Ireland winning star with Kerry, uh, Paul Galvin, who's yeah. getting into fashion now and in fairness he's after launching a new book as well which I, I'm scared to say be very interesting um what he what he's uh uncovered in this. Uh so bring us through that story. How did it happen and what was it like? Because I knew I recognized I was like I definitely recognize him from somewhere and then I was like oh it's the it's the Paul Galvin um, um yeah that that whole kind of modeling thing just kind of spurred from uh, an agency kind of reaching out to me called Not Another uh, in Ireland or no sorry I was scouted by an agency in New York when I was 16 um, or glamorous out loud but it, I, they, it never really like worked there it didn't, I was too young to kind of fly up to America and do these jobs or whatever and, uh, and then I ended up signing with Not Another agency or based in Ireland they're very good uh, and then yeah the, the Paul Galvin job was probably the the biggest one of the most frequent one I did and uh and Paul's great to work with. I mean he he has a great eye for for fashion I think and and I think he has a it's hard to explain. He can kind of he doesn't really just go by trends. He kind of although I was young when I worked with him I could kind of sense that he liked what he liked and and he was very competent to kind of go with those things and, and I, I think he did a great job and uh, what he's doing there with Dunn Stores with their line. Um and he was a great guy to work for. He was there on all the shoots, and and he's not. It's not just his label on the tag. It's uh, he's very involved. So, brilliant. brilliant. That's that's good to hear that he's uh, it's not just uh, stamping his name on it. He's actually he's involved in the yeah. the the nitty gritty of it as well. Um, how do you deal with you know situations where anxiety or worry sits in? You know, some people could be warriors, some people aren't warriors. Where do you fit in in that? Um. I say I'm quite a warrior, but I mean, uh, warrior. Sorry, the Irish accent it can sound like warrior. <laughs> no, but uh, no, but I like I just I just at the gym all the time, and I as I said, I do a lot of kind of meditation and uh, and not a lot of meditation, but if I'm ever kind of feeling down or whatever, and uh, and I don't know why, or it's not for a specific reason, I just try to kind of meditate and get myself back to where I should be and um I mean it's this it's I think it's I wouldn't say the same with everyone but I find with me it's it's usually my fault if I'm upset you know what I mean it's usually because I've uh maybe had an extra drink the night before or scrolling too much on my phone or something like that and I I'd never I don't if I'm I'd never just blame the world if I'm upset it's usually something else to do with my actions I haven't been doing a week or something like that so um uh, so yeah, that's that's just what I do. I meditate and go to the gym. And keeps me fairly happy most of the time. So brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And in regards to the farm work as well, because I know you 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 grew up in that in 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 uh in a farm or on a farm. 
Um, and it's it's quite interesting that you work on a farm now. Um, what benefits do you think there is, or has, in your life from you know from from growing up in a farm and from being surrounded by a farm at that uh, at such a young age? Because I'm the same. I'm I grow I grew up in a farm, and I suppose when you're growing up in it, you don't take much notice. But it's when when you go away and you're living perhaps in a city and. It's great to 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 open the door and walk out into the green fields and you see the cows and the the sheep and but what's your take on on growing up on a farm? Yeah, um, as you said, you kind of obviously don't realize it growing up, and then I remember when I lived in Tokyo for a year and it was just like I loved it, but, but uh, you like you would want to just go for a walk on the beach or a walk around the country roads or whatever, and. Uh, and the one thing I miss is the food, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, I'm quite lucky to have some nice food around me with the family. But uh, but yeah, I know. I always like when you're living in the countryside and you kind of have access to the dairy, the local dairy, and the, the you always kind of have a butcher that's good nearby. And it's kind of it's, um, I yeah, I miss the food, to be honest with you, like of of the countryside in Ireland. Um, just the freedom of it as well just kind of uh, just yeah as you said being able to go out and just have a walk and you don't know, have 10,000 people around you all that are within a mile of you do you know what I mean yeah yes it's those kind of uh, those things you don't realise until you you know you, you, you move away and really makes you uh, makes you realise it's, uh, it's quite special to, to grow up in a grow up in a farm uh, would you practice visualization, uh, Luca, or, or would you consciously or, or subconsciously? Um, so, I'd say subconsciously because um, I have confidence in myself only if I'm if I know I'm putting in the work. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I'd never just, I mean, I'd never just try to manifest something and. And just expect it to happen. Like I'd, I'd need to, but I then know. But I know myself that if I work as hard as I can, if I do all this, then I know it'll happen. Like I know I'll be a professional driver, and I know, like all this will happen if I put in the work. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, I wouldn't. I'm not. I'm not gonna like uh, hold a marble or whatever and and say it's gonna come true. Do you know? But, um, but yeah, I think it's to, it's it's. It's a real thing, obviously, believing in yourself and having the confidence, and it just gives you such an advantage. Then, if you can believe in yourself and if you really believe something's going to happen, uh, with me anyway, it gives me a lot of confidence, kind of getting on, getting on my work. Yeah, exactly. Look, you in in regards to visualization, you, you can't just visualize it and hope it'll happen. You have to kind of it's a number of different things. You put in the hard work, the and if you put in the hours, it'll, uh, it'll, it'll come to fruition at, at some stage. Um, and I, I suppose just as well in, in your sport, um, you would be probably doing, you're probably visualising certain scenarios in a race, would you? You know, would you be... Yeah, I mean, yeah, like the the first lap is always a bit of a sketchy because you just never know what's going to happen. And, and you, you just, you can't really have like a plan set in stone, I don't think, for the first few corners because... You just completely go by instinct, and like I know in character, my instinct was always just to go around the outside and first corner, and everyone was kind of getting clogged up, and um, and yeah, you just kind of have those instincts, and um, for qualifying, maybe sometimes before, obviously, I'd 
I have kind of every corner in my head and I know I need to know when to break and I you just kind of need to know the, the fundamentals to what's going to make you go a bit faster. But that's from that's from hours of data research and hours of working with your engineer and uh, and all that over the weekend. So I'm not just uh, I'm not just hopping into the car and hoping I'll go fast. Kind of, you need to work for it from, from the first test session of the weekend. You need to work really hard every corner, every session uh, to then be as good as you possibly can for that for that one qualifying lap. I mean, the qualifying lap is very important, is it? Because it kind of determines where you you start, is it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And doesn't you know the way you're doing all your your racing these series? Like, can you win the? Can you win? Can you win the full? Say the the one in in um the Asian one that's in in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. To win it, would you have to finish first, or could you finish third, or what's the? What's well, the the, the, there's four races, so um, you need to finish better than everyone over on an average over the four races. If you need to score the most points, so it would be points twenty five points for a win, uh, down to tenth, which is one point, um, like like the Formula One scoring system. So, um, so yeah, if you're asking, can we win? I think we can definitely win. Um, if if hope hopefully opportunity to, to get out there but um yeah i'll keep working hard anyway and i'll let you know when it's uh when it's confirmed brilliant, brilliant. and is leaving a legacy important for you luca i know it's quite a, a deep question for a 20 year old but um is this is it something you ever you think you've thought about well what was that sorry um is leaving leaving is leaving a legacy important to you oh um yeah i know like i um yeah like i think i think so but um i mean i don't i'd always want to leave like a uh opportunities for my children or my grandchildren and um and yeah like I, to put in so many years of, of hard work and, and even not yet see any returns from it but but to to kind of stay motivated i mean i don't think i'll be doing that if i didn't think that um, I could leave a good legacy behind, and and I, you see, I always go on about, about the Irish flag or whatever, and it's, it's definitely something with the Irish. Like they're everyone's proud to be from Ireland, and I think a lot of all the Irish athletes, you know, when you see them abroad, they are really trying to do it for their country, and um, and I'd love, yeah, I'd love to leave a legacy as as one of the best Irish drivers to to come through for the better yeah. season. Amazing, amazing, Brent. I hope, I hope. Uh... I hope you know it will go that way, and I think you are going that way in in um in the research I've done and people I spoke to so on. And you've aged and on your side as well. You're still uh still very very young. Again, I like to finish the podcast on um on two questions. The first one is, what are two daily non-negotiables? Oh, daily non-negotiables. Is on season or off season? Let's go on season. We go off season then. Daily non-negotiables when I'm on season was just getting to the gym, just getting yourself to the gym, doing doing something. So there's kind of for me there's kind of three types. I wouldn't say types of training, but it's yeah, I mean either on the simulator or I'm either sending emails. Um, so one of them needs to happen every day, whether it's before work or after work. Uh, hopefully I won't have to work anymore, so I'll be getting more stuck in, but um, soon, but uh. That's uh, that's definitely a non-negotiable for me. Just um, 
I need to, if I'm going to bed, I need to make sure that I did something to stay in the right direction. You know what I mean? Um, and then what was the other question? When you're that was on season, then and what about off season then? Oh, there's not many non-negotiables really off. I mean, hmm. um, I mean, I have to make my girlfriend a coffee in the morning, or she just get up. So that's basically <laughs> it. as far as it goes with non-negotiables. Uh, it's probably the same it? as well. Like you're probably, you know, you're still probably you're sending emails, and then you're still trying to progress yourself. So it's it's probably something you do subconsciously, you know. In off season that you are that you you're doing consciously during the season, um. But when is when is on season off season? Is this off season at the moment? Yeah, so this is off season. So usually when the season ends, I take a few kind of weeks break from, well, the gym and the simulator. I take a bit of a break from, and but obviously it gets a bit more busy then with the emails. So it kind of evens out a little bit, like um. I finished season. Uh, Jesus, I forget this now. About no, three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, it was about three weeks ago now. So, no, four weeks ago. Uh, exactly a month ago, actually. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, so I'd probably I'll probably get back. Well, I've been training. I've been training kind of anyway, you know. But full time training will just resume in the first of January, kind of thing. Brilliant, brilliant. You 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 enjoy. It's important too to you know to wind down and relax. Um and do you have a motto or a saying that you live by? No, I wouldn't say I've one. I wouldn't say I've one that I live by. Um, as in nothing really comes to mind. Just when you say that, but um, yeah, just like work hard. Like I'm just big on work hard. Just people working hard, and I don't like. Cause obviously, I work a normal job as well, and there's definitely something that irks me about just people not putting in their 100% and um, now don't get me wrong there's some days where, where I don't put in my 100% it's the same with everyone I think but um, I'm quite just strict on myself to like if if I'm not in the gym I'm just thinking about someone else in the gym and, and they're probably not going around saying they want to be a professional racing driver they're just there do you know what I mean so who am I yeah. to go around saying all this and then not put in the work do you know what I mean it wouldn't, wouldn't be fair that's fair that's fair enough and we touched on Asia and we touched on on um and obviously in the Middle East and we touched on on Europe. But does this happen as well in in the US or have you would there ever be something of interest or or is it just yeah. in, in Europe? Yeah, you know, no, racing's big in the US as well. Obviously, there's NASCAR and then there's M, such as like the European Le Mans thing of of America. Same mm-hmm. cars, same everything. Um, you have you've Cadillac who are going to be in hypercar in the World Endurance Championship. You have uh, is Van Wall. Um, Van Wall, I, th- I think they're American. And then you've, you've another one, Jesus, just looking at them last night. Um, it's actually some kind of German name, but they're, they're based in New York. Um, but yeah, no, America, like it's big in America as well. You have um, you've James Rowe, who's another Irish driver, who's uh, racing out there, obviously, in the past. Um, there's been a lot of drivers that's went out there to oh. to race as well. So, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it's big everywhere, and uh, you just need to kind of see where where your opportunities lie and where you can make a make a good living for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's like 
I, I know we're 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 kind of getting caught for time now, but I just want the when you were flying back and over to Japan, like you used to stay over there for a couple of months. I know before this is before COVID really locked down. How you used to commute? That was crazy. That was about a day traveling, was it? Yeah, yeah, I was there. So in Formula Four, I was racing in Southeast Asia, so that was mainly um Malaysia, Thailand, India, um. So I, that was the year I was doing my leaving cert. So I'd be kind of two weeks in school, two weeks in in Southeast Asia somewhere. And yeah, it'd always be 24 hours traveling. And, uh, but then the next year, I went, went, finally, when I finished school, yeah, in Japan, I think I was out, I was out there for two months in um, at the end of 2020. And I was living in the countryside there in Japan. And I remember I, just, I literally just didn't, I didn't speak English to a single person the whole two months. Because in the countryside in Japan, like there's just there's literally just no one. Uh, like my team didn't speak English or anything. Um, oh no, sorry, I had a translator on the weekends, so that's a lie. I would have actually spoken English, but a day to day, I never would have done it. And uh, and then I moved, and then I was in Tokyo the year after, which was handier. You know, it's much more multinational. And I was there for about March till November, but I came home for a month and summer, but. Jeez, that must have been crazy to be to be over there. But it, do you feel it was something you needed needed to do to to get more track time? Um, yeah, yeah, money basically. <laughs> to give you the short answer, um, the, yeah, just sponsorship, and uh, that's that's kind of why that was that was a tough year because it was just so hard. Like no one's gonna reach in their pockets um during COVID. You know what I mean? It's it's not gonna happen. So, um. So yeah, but I mean, thank God that's over. Yeah, no, it's um your your career so far, and you you like you've packed huge amount in in, in you know su- su- such a, a short space of time. You know, probably ten years is it? You're twenty now, so you kind of got going really when you're nine or ten. Yeah. Um, you know, and you're still you're still moving forward, still progressing, and I'm really excited to, and I hope you know companies will come on board or people will support you in some way. Especially for the 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 up and coming races in in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, like like I said again, like we touched on, like the the opportunities there, you know, the dedicated global TV audience to three point two million, which is crazy. Um, in a good, it's that's a good crazy. It's quite phenomenal. And uh, then you have the English language territories, including Europe, um, live streams two million, and then in in Asia territories, and including China, you have nine million. So that's a great opportunity for. For anyone that would you know would like to come on board and support you and know, support you in this you know in in the journey that has been going the right direction and it's you you know you want to make sure it continues to go on in in that direction, um and I I hope you do and I I do think people will come on board and uh and support uh support support you especially the Irish we always support our own. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Brilliant. Look, Luca, we'll, uh, we'll finish it up. Um, I think we covered a huge amount and I'd just like to, to thank you for taking time out to come on Inside View podcast and best luck with everything going forward. And I'm sure I will I'll see you in, in February in Dubai in the heat. Yeah, 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 definitely. And, and any kind of Irish companies that do want to be part of the journey, just uh, email will be then the link or whatever social. So uh, yeah, we can talk and um, make some good packages for you. Perfect. Thanks very much, Luca. Thanks, Jamie. Enjoy it. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed the interview with Luca. Again, if you'd like to know more about Luca and or perhaps how you like to get involved and support him, be sure to check out the Sports Dose website or the link in the show notes. 
that is all from us on this week's episode we'd ask you to rate review or tell your friends family about the podcast it means a huge amount to us and also be sure to follow us on social media we're available on all social media platforms if you haven't done so already have a lovely week and be sure to tune in again next week we have another exciting guest till then stay safe and remember cred on it fain talk to you all soon and thank you all for listening